Hello, and welcome to our vodcast, All the Things. And we are here to talk about all the things. Faith, politics, race, gender. All the things that have been off the table, we're going to talk about those things. Again, welcome to All the Things. Let's get started with today's episode. Okay. Hey. Hello. Welcome um, back, everyone. Hi, I'm Fernell Miller. I'm Dr. Jen Self. I'm Aaron Jones. We're about to open some boxes, y'all. We got a gift. We Surprise are about gift. to unbox all the things from the Ally League that's headed by Keisha Rogers and Sarah So, and they sent us three surprise boxes. We can't wait to see what's inside. So let's take a look at all the things. Ready? One, two, three. Wait, how do I get in? <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Other side. Open, 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 open. Oh, it's so pretty. First, it looks look, so at beautiful. The, look at the packaging right there first. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Starts with our key. Oh, beautiful game. notes. We got a great note. Thank you. Let's read that note. Who's a reader? I can read it. <clears throat> okay. Black Box Spring 2021 Edition. <clears throat> Welcome to our second quarterly box. Our goal is always to introduce you to new products from Black-owned businesses that we hope you will come to know, love, and want more of. The collection in this box brings us so much joy with a focus on learning, leisure, and the arts. Woo! Yeah. The multiple choice format of brilliant or BS means anyone can win. When Sarah played with her family, the seven-year-old legit won. Flashcards <laughs> from urban intellectuals help you brush up on Black history. Ooh, I love those. Yeah. Relax with a refreshing lemonade and cocktail or mocktail. Snack on crunchy seasoned plantains with adorable eco-friendly napkins. Oh, cool. Finish your day with body wash made by a company led by young black girls while you enjoy a, a recorded serenadogram. Ooh, cool. We hope you feel pampered. I already do and I haven't even gotten into the box. <laughs> Each entrepreneur we meet inspires us to keep finding ways to help. We recently created the Ally League Fund to offer technology grants to small black owned businesses. Check out our website for more info, www.theallyleague.com. Thank you for joining us on this journey. We hope you enjoy the black box, Keisha Rogers and Sarah So, co-founder. Yeah. yeah. They have my favorite, you know I'm a lemonade connoisseur, right? You know that. Ooh, I, like I love lemonade too. I didn't know you <laughs> Me too. Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> If they had a, like a sipping glass to eliminate, I would be like, swish it. <laughs> spit it, spit mm. it. Oh, that's beautiful. And plantains. Ooh, yummy. And mango, and mango, Queen Care mango body wash. Uh-huh. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, this is the game. Brilliant or BS. Oh, we got to play this with our students on one night. Oh, yes. Our game. Who's the smartest person in the room? And who's just full of it? <laughs> Find it hilarious. Oh, my gosh. This is so cool. They totally got, they totally nailed me. Lemonade and green, green apple. That's oh, perfect for me. Yes. Oh, I got the mango body wash. Yes. And I, I love plantains. 
I have mango too. Me too, me too. And the compassionist, let's read that card. Someone who continually strives to unite in love and grace instead of divide in anger and hostility. Yeah, that would be it. That's us. To bring, up, to bring about change, you must not be afraid to take the first step. We will fall. We will fail when we fail to try. Rosa Parks. That's a beautiful card. Like, thank you. Thank you so much. I know. This is so cool. Uh, Aisha Johnson, uh, Jordan is got the three seedlings, these um, fabrics right here. Oh, my goodness. They're beautiful. Mm. Okay, I could just play with this all night. Let's do that instead. <laughs> Serenadograms. Have you heard of that before? Serenade. No. Send it anywhere. Send it on a special occasion to serenade somebody. That's so fun. Oh, how beautiful. Oh. See. And I have the Black History Month cards too. That's what she's talking about. Socially distanced um, serenading. And then yes, I love these these um, these eco-friendly napkins. They're really cool. I know they are cool. That's from Aisha. Aisha, yeah. I like them like um I wear I like these like um pocket squares because I wear pocket squares. So I, I actually oh. that's probably how I would wear them. <laughs> I would wear that's them. That's a actually. great idea. That's a great idea. <clears throat> Oh, I got a boy. I was just reading about him the other way. Oh, and Dick Gregory, I'm missing him. He's just recently gone. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. That's such wisdom. Grandpa, Grandpa Greg. <laughs> Gregory. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice. Thank you, Ally League, the Ally League. So I have to tell the story about um, Sarah and Keisha real quick. So Sarah So. Uh, was a former student and Aaron, you know, how you always talk about you have your former students Well, she had me as a seventh grader in PE at uh, <laughs> way back in the day and um, You know graduated went on she went on to the East Coast for college found um, black community which um, you know changed her her um, uh, life experience by meeting and uh, being with and uh, around uh, black folks and other folks of color and she came back to North Shore to raise her family and she was sitting in the black girl suburbia event um, the documentary by Melissa Lowry and raised her hand to ask a question you know having pan they're having panel discussion after the fact and she raises her hand and starts talking about where you know I had this black PE teacher I had a PE teacher back in junior high and she's t talking about her you know her experience with um, you know the r racial isolation and I didn't know she was there or anything I didn't know she's back in the district but I hear this girl talking and then I realize she's talking about me and so I, I, afterwards I'm like I think that I think I'm the grandmother of black suburbia because I've been here so long so we reconnected and then just oh. got to hear more of her story which she went to our district office and trying to bring more um, representation and teachers of color to the district and change our curriculum and all those things for the PTA. She was, you know, a white girl trying to make it all happen and didn't get anywhere. Um, and then just started, you know, she, we connected and found each other and started supporting and keep working. And, and Keisha came along because I met her in Seattle at one of the three places black women can get their hair done in Seattle, right? Um, and she happened to be um, starting her kids in kindergarten in our school district. 
And um, so I was helping her get started and um, got her in. Uh, she was applying to the, the, the diversity and equity committee. So we both served on that. And so our lives have been, you know, braided together and intertwined by trying to build equity within a, a school district that's predominantly white. Um, me being one of five black women in the mm -hmm. entire district who has, you know, left in the teaching force and uh, out of 2,200 teachers and 30,000 kids. And so the, the, the job is steep and deep. And um, I've been there for three generations trying to bridge those gaps and disrupt. And, and so to have a student come back because of that, you know, experience and, and understanding and relationship um, in black community to come back and try to build that and shake our school district out of their like, look what we're missing. Look what we're, what we don't have here. And so, um, I just appreciate these, these two women, um, their stories, their commitment, their kids are beautiful. And just the way that she's giving back and loving in the community and, um, starting this company to help people build those relationships and understand. So I thank you, Sarah and Keisha, my girls. Yeah. So, and I'll let you know how the lemonade is. And thank you to all those <laughs> who contributed and put into the black box. It's beautiful. Yay. Thank it really you. Is it's really gorgeous. Yes. I love it. Awesome. Wow. Let's kick it off. We are going to talk about urgency today. Urgency. Especially right now, especially right now, <laughs> all that sense of urgency from all these district leaders and trying to go back to school. <sighs> we gotta, we gotta hurry it up, man. We gotta hurry up and get back to school because, boy, that virus has been taken care of, hasn't it? We gotta get back. <laughs> can I start us with a poem? Yes, please. you can. Please do. One. It's called "Commitment" by Alexis Pauline Gums. We promise to wake you up if, if we think that you won't get to the point of your dream. We promise to show up if you show up every day. We promise to make you feel sick when you lie to yourself. We promise to let love through if it's love you came to do. We promise to make time flexible if you give us all your time. We promise to think of you more often than you think of us. We promise to remember you when you forget. We promise to be wherever and in everything that you've not note that you haven't noticed yet. We promise to be we even one by one. We promise to outsmart your mind. We promise to overlove your heart. We promise to echo over your voice. We promise you everything, everything, all we ask. And just that was our ground in today to just take a breath on and um, lean into our conversation about this urgency. And I've often been talking about the, the folks with the most beautiful umbrella, the beautiful building, the beautiful picture have the deepest holes of inequity. And so they're always in a hurry to get back under that umbrella, get that fence back up, get that house, get the, get the, get the facade built yeah. so we don't have to to look at those holes, remind us that we, they were there before we, we started. Um, yeah. And to look at what the urgency is about. They've had all summer <laughs> to be in special session, our, our legislator, our government to um, work on things. And they took that time 
Okay, well, you take time. You had time to do that, but, but you knew the urgency and what was coming, and so you leave little time to do a huge lift, a huge job, and um, coming to students of color, kids of color, educators of color at the last minute to say, we need it, you know, in, in a month, in five minutes, in a, mm, that just really shows the pattern of that white supremacy characteristics and cultures to, um, you know, work under this urgency. The governor's got to, have we got to come down with the, the mandates? You know, we're lo the laws are changing quick. Well, why don't we take time to look at what, what, the, what the changes need to be and make the, make the laws fit to uphold what, what the changes and equity and um, future would look like. And there's never anything good that comes out of when you don't have time to do that and look at it. That urgency's a poison. Yeah. So, thoughts on that? It is, it is a poison. It's it's a poison, and it's also there's this duality with with this sense of urgency because it's also it's also not it's also not true because the re, the reality of white supremacy is that there are some very deep and long lasting truths about white supremacy that have been going on for four hundred years that are not these urgent things that that happen very quickly. But this sense of urgency that is kind of put out actually, I think actually is, it's sort of like a, um, it's a way of, I think, getting, keeping us all busy. Keeping us all busy and going, you know, you always sing that like circus music for now. It's, it's, it's that, it's, it's that, it keeps us all busy. Meanwhile, distracted. Right. Mean, right. Meanwhile, white supremacy just like does its does its like slow roll and continues to maintain power over over long, long periods of time. Um, so it's that duality. Yeah, I wonder just speaking about duality, I was telling a group of administrators yesterday that on the one hand, there is urgency, like y'all cannot keep doing the same things that are killing black children and brown children. So you gotta stop that. So on the one hand, it doesn't give you an out to not do work, right? So what people can say, well, is, well if urgency is bad, then you know, y'all can just keep waiting for your change to come. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the kind of urgency we're talking about. We're talking about that frenetic, the frantic, decisions that are made and then you go to communities of color then you go to poor people and you ask for the check off the list um but i, I just um wrote an essay for a friend of mine he's publishing a book of essays from educators and he asked me what is the most important lesson i learned over the pandemic so far and i told him i think the greatest lesson i've learned is that when people are panicked and overwhelmed with a sense of urgency, they actually have no creativity. They are in, incapable of being creative and thinking outside the box. Yes. You will naturally, when you're in panic, revert back to whatever the most natural, normal thing is for you. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't allow you to be creative. And so I was telling him that for me, I think we actually have been able to be really creative 
-hmm. because we haven't allowed ourselves to get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent is that we've taken time to think about things and process things. And I realized the gift of not being an administrator right now, the gift of not being in charge of any formal system is I have the ability to be creative in ways that I look at some of my friends who are superintendents and building leaders, they just can't, they can't see beyond, I got to get a lesson plan or I got to get a schedule going and I got to figure out what are the safety protocols for my school so we can get back and they can't think outside the box. And I wish, I wish they would realize that and then invite some people in who can think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Like when you're unable to, how do you invite people into your space that are able to be creative right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the pandemic, you've heard me say it before that the, the, the urgency completely disappeared and in, 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 in the urgency towards creativity and leaning into self-care was all just very present because the pandemic was for us. It didn't happen to us. It, was, it happened for us. And to be able to, you know, for black students to take a breath out and be out of the oppression uh, accusations uh, tracking and stalking and all of that, which is urgency in their life and survival to, you know, make it home. And so without that, they're able to take a breath and go, whoa, wait a minute. Is this how the rest of the world gets to live and think and breathe and have their own time and be with their own thoughts and be creative and explore and um, examine all those things? That, 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 that's, that's the luxury and privilege that black folks do not have. And so it's uh, the creativity that came from these eight months was amazing. And through the roof, I mean, even in my, my own house, both my sons, daughter too, just creating businesses, entrepreneur, building. Uh, I, I just can't, it's been beautiful. The first time in my life that, that, that freedom to just be and create and do all of that without the pressure of oppressive oppression and urgency and all of that weighted on top of just surviving man what a beautiful thing and yes it's been traumatic and painful in places but this has also been the silver lining of all of that and so that that urgency is completely fake it's mm -hmm. all made up and shot at you like you know well and you know what else i wonder though so not only is it fake, I wonder, because I'm thinking about wealthy people in America. Wealthy people in America get to take vacations and they take days off and can go just be creative and think up a new, a new business they're going to start and they get to do all this stuff. What if, I also wonder if, you know, if everyone were taken care of, if everybody had their health care taken care of and they had housing taken care of and <laughs> they had so many more things that were taken care of then they wouldn't have to be in the urgent. But that urgency to just get your needs met, to me is like a basic thing that if we, this is killing us all. It's not just killing black and brown people, it's killing everybody who doesn't have access to resources, it's killing everybody. And so the wealthier just get, they get to keep resting and getting creative and making more money, where if we could allow those people who are not wealthy, the services and support they need to be creative, like it would, it would rise all of our boats. Like all of us could be more creative and everyone. And so I think there's an aspect of that. Part of the urgency is people fighting just for their basic needs. 
Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be a fight. It shouldn't be a fight. Well, and look at the, the again, took, looking at systemic, and that's exactly how it was built for those to rest on the top too while the, the bottom has the burden. And mm-hmm. so that's why we're looking at all these characteristics in this culture to say, you know what? It's killing us all. Why, why don't we all lift each other up? Right. So this part, this part of the conversation is reminding me of um, all the all the people out there who are doing side hustles and and the and how and how different side hustles are from what the the population you're talking about Aaron the population that has the the multi millions of dollars and can and can rest and think and be creative whereas the side hustle the side hustle crew they're being creative all the time but it's because it's it's about it's about i i'm being creative because i'm i'm making my money to to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing. And, and then, and then, and then culture will look at, at, at folks who are able to do that and do that well and make it and make it. And, and we use those people as examples of how everyone should do it. Mm-hmm. Everyone can do that. Mm-hmm. See, that's a shining example about how everyone, and, it, and then it's, it's, then, it, then we just, then it's just that, that bootstrapping story that yeah. has no ba- basis in reality because because we can't expect everybody to be able to do be that's hyper creative good point i also am stricken by a question like tyranny of urgency for what mm-hmm. like i'm even i was thinking about today i was in a conversation earlier. And then I think for now, we were also in a conversation last night around state tests, but I was, I was with a a school district today talking about state tests and um, to what end, like we have all these measuring sticks, like run, we're all athletes, like run hard to that line. Why? Right. (laughs) Right. Right. But we have, wait, we have all these like (laughs) random arbitrary lines. Like you need to get to this line. Like by the time you're 21, you should be at this line. By the time you're 25, you should be at this line. By the time you're 30, you should have a car and a house. And right. Why? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think that's the question that I'm also thinking about is we have all these random arbitrary, like every kid should meet standard in this way in school spaces. And then by the time you're 18, you should be heading to college. Why? Why? Right. I think we need to be asking, why are we running for this thing? Yeah. Right. Like what, who gets to set the standard? One of my pushbacks always now on school spaces, but also nonprofits and businesses is what is success, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And I think we need to be asking those questions. What is success? Success Because not everyone identifies it the same way. And until we've articulated what is success for me, what am I running for? Like, I'm not running for your success. I'm running for mine. I want to flourish and I want students to flourish. And my children's flourishing doesn't look like mine. Right. So my right. three kids are very different. And I have been really careful to not ask them to run the same race I'm running. Yes. Yes. There it is right there. Right. So to get back to school quickly, we want everybody to run this same race to get to the line with without any equity. And when they get to the line, it has nothing to do with them. So why do we even need those requirements? It has nothing to do with them, with me. With Remember, school was to teach the culture out of everybody. That's why we're spending thousands of dollars to be culturally relevant now. I mean, think about it. So what do we, what, what, for who? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and so I guess, I mean, I would ask anyone who's listening today to think about your own context and where you work and how you're raising your children. And, um, how you're you know, I think about, yeah, whether you're an educator or a business person, whether you're a parent, I mean, I think about how many times children are asked to do things by their parents. And how many of you have had a child say, why, 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 why? <laughs> I have two of those. Yeah. Two of my three are why kids. <laughs> why, 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 why? <laughs> but here's, here's my thing. And I decided this late in my teaching career. So I didn't make this decision until probably 10 years into my teaching career. But I never had a rule if I didn't have a why. So I stopped, I stopped expecting things that I didn't have an explanation for. Yeah, and I think how many times do we have like just do it because we've always done it this way. Like we can't even explain why this is a thing, but just do it though because I told you to. You, we got to stop doing the things that we have no explanation for. We got to stop it because we only have so much time and energy. And yeah. I think this urgency has this running like all of these traditional things. Well, we've always done it this way. We've always had this. You know, you've always been expected as a woman, you're expected to do this and do that and have children by this age. And why? Like, if we can't answer the why, then let's just stop doing it. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Ugh. And I think that urgency, I mean, they're all connected, but uh, I know we'll talk about perfectionism later, but I think too, that urgency feeds into comparison, right? Like I got to run, I look at the people who are my age and I, I have to be better than them. Like I'm, I'm, I'm comparing myself to them. I, I think what's funny about that is we, we know that one and two and three-year-olds develop at their own pace, that they each develop at different rates. But then once you hit five, we have this expectation that every five-year-old should develop at the same pace and every six-year-old and then every seven-year-old and every eight-year-old. And we do this weird thing once kids are not toddlers anymore into adulthood where we are all like running, we're racing against each other. Like I got to do better than keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, literally. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's silly though, right? Yeah. It's silly. Like these, again, these arbitrary measurements of, of what success and flourishing is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the urgency yeah. to get there. Yeah. That we put on it. So I was talking to a young kid, a young person the other day and they were saying, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I want to take like maybe five years to go through high school. And, you know, I think, I think that seems like a good idea. I, I think that's how long it'll take me. And they said, I know people don't really do that, but I think that's what I should do. Mm. And I was like, yeah, right. Wow. So people go through in three years. So why? Shouldn't you take five if you need if you think that's right for you? Why shouldn't you take five years? Absolutely, that's, that's fierce. That's, right? That's powerful. I thought it was so fierce. I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. Ooh, that reminds me of another poem. I'll I'll take us out with our fierce poem. Oh, that's juicy, good. <laughs> but to know, I mean, it all comes back to to that, Dr. Jen, just knowing yourself. Like you need to know yourself. Yeah. You need to set your own goals. Don't let anyone else set your goals for you. You set your own goals and you run at the pace that you should run. Here's the deal. If Dr. Jen and I were in a race right now, like I am six feet tall. Dr. Jen mm -hmm. is not six feet tall. <laughs> Me neither. So, right, exactly. So if we're running against each other, 
my legs are just longer. Like there's, and it doesn't mean that I am stronger at all. I just have longer legs, right? But we do all this stuff where we compare ourselves in ways that don't make any sense. Yeah. And so you got to know yourself. What's the lane that you're running in? What are the gifts that you have? What's your life story? All of those things matter. And all of them make you enough. All of them make you more than enough to be brilliant. Yeah. More than enough. Yeah. That's the thing I really learned in basketball, I think, because I went, when I went to Berkeley, I, you know, I, I got there and I was like, I am not very fast. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like medium. I'm pretty medium given, given everybody on my team. (laughs) But I am really, I am a really fundamentally sound player. I am really good at fundamentals. So I'm just going to do all of these things really well. And I was like the, I was the best defensive player on our team. And I was a great shooter. And so I was a really important player on our team because I could do everything really well, even though I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the strongest. I was a great player in, in fundamental ways. And so I did things that other players didn't do just because I was paying attention to those fundamentals. And I knew that that's, that was my role. So, so that really taught me a lot about myself and where I fit in. Yeah. If, without wrapping urgency around finding, developing, understanding, exploring ourselves, we give no yes. to that. Yeah. Zero time to that. That that should be a whole year course. Just I mean, all through school, that should be the course of developing and finding and exploring and becoming all of that. Which is why I love our class, Aaron, on Fridays, becoming twelve o'clock. <sighs> do that with us. So yeah, about it. Just let people evolve. Just let people evolve on their own time, in their own way, in their own space. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Miss Fresnel. Let's take us take us out. Take us out. All right, fierce one. This is um, by one of my women of wonder, uh, Kathy McCoy, beautiful black woman. She says, "Fierce one, you don't have to explain. You can walk away." You don't have to defend. You can do it anyway. You don't have to take offense. You can detach from their opinions. You don't have to justify. You can trust what you know. You can let go. You can forgive. You can choose something different. You are worthy of fierce peace. Again, Kathy McCoy, 2021. I love that. Fierce peace. Woof. Mm. Powerful. That is so good. You are worthy. Yes. Woo! Nice. Way to take us out. <laughs> I know. I love you, friends. Love you, friends. Love you, friends. Thank you, and Sarah, and just all of you listening. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. To find Fernell Miller. Look for her at The Root of Us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. And check out her book, You Are Here, Steel Guide for Racial Reality, on the website. If you want to reach Dr. Jensa, you can find them on LinkedIn or at rick13.com. If you're looking for Erin Jones, you can find her on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can also purchase a copy of her book she co-authored, Thrive, on Amazon. Until next time, keep talking about all the things.